Welcome to the third season of Learning Bible Truth Ministries. I am the founder, host, and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. This ministry is here to teach you Bible truth. Teaching truth allows you to grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. I sometimes read entire books in the Bible so you can know the story, not just the scripture. I also teach a series about a certain subject, so I want you to invite family and friends. Get your Bibles, grab a pen and paper so you can take notes. Now sit back, relax, and learn Bible truth. Good morning, Learning Bible Truth listeners. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Today is Sunday. Yes, I know it's early. It is Sunday, April the 3rd of 2022. I I started to share episode two yesterday on Saturday, but I used that day to just rest because I had a, a very active week. Let's say that, a very active week, and I needed to get some rest. Now, with that said, the name of this short series is Why Do Christians and People Die Before Their Time? Now, in episode one, we we talked about the origin of death, which comes from Satan. It It doesn't come from God. We also talked about God being the giver of life. He is not the person killing people. He is the giver of life. And we talked about death being an enemy. Death is not our friend. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. So it hasn't been destroyed just yet. Christ came to destroy death. Okay. So with that said, what I want to do is quote Hebrews 2.14 again. And I am continuing to use the New King James Version of the Bible. I will also be quoting from the New Living Translation today, but I want to use um, Hebrews 2.14, or let's say I want to quote Hebrews 2.14 again for our new listeners, and then I want to read it from the New Living Translations. So Hebrews 2.14 says this, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, talking about Jesus, Likewise, shared in the same that through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. My goodness, that is the devil. Now, let me read this from the New Living Translation and you will see just why I want to read it from the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation, I don't advise people to study from um, this version of the Bible. However, to me, it's more of a paraphrasing Bible, and it is excellent when you want to share some scriptures that it is in line with, uh, according to uh, the original text, which is written in Greek in the New Testament and Hebrew and Arabic in the Old Testament. So the New Living Translation says this, this is Hebrews 2.14, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood. The son also became flesh and blood for only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. 
Now you cannot get more, no more clear than that, my Lord. So we left off episode two, talking about looking into the life of the apostle Paul and episode two is entitled, do we have a say in when we die? And we are going to talk about that in episode two. I will also talk about the, the amount of years that God himself set for man to live in this age. Okay. And, um, with that said, let's get this truth on the road. I know it's early. I'm not used to being up this early sharing, uh, episodes, but I have a full day today and I know had I not shared it this early, I would not have, uh, gotten the opportunity to share it today. And I didn't want to miss that opportunity. So we are going to delve into the life of the apostle Paul. The apostle Paul was chosen or let's say handpicked by the Lord Jesus Christ himself after his resurrection. As a matter of fact, after he had ascended on high, if you know the story of the apostle Paul, he was on the road to Damascus going to arrest some Christians, put them in jail, possibly kill them, persecute them, whatever he needed to do. He was against Christians and he encountered the Lord Jesus Christ from on high. My Lord, hallelujah. So let's talk about the apostle Paul and, and did he have a say in when he died? And if that's true, that means that each one of us has a say in when we die. So let's see from the many epistles or, or letters that the apostle Paul wrote to the church, we can see that Paul understood that he had a choice between life and death, just as we do. And first of all, in talking to the church at Corinth, Paul writes in first Corinthians three 22, that life or death all are yours talking about the believers. And let me make this clear. The Bible is not written for non-believers. So I'm not uh, sure if most people who are always quoting from the Bible, who doesn't even believe in Christ, or let's say hasn't accepted him as Lord and savior. They are always quoting from the Bible, but it's not for them. It is not for them though. The words written in the Bible means nothing to a non-believer. I'm here to tell you they don't benefit from reading the Bible. They cannot apply the principles because it's not for them. None of the promises of God is for any non-believer and that includes Muslims. Okay. Now let's, let's look at first Corinthians, uh, three 22. And this is the apostle Paul talk, talking to the Corinthian church, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death, or things present or things to come, all are yours, my Lord. Now, through the writings of the Apostle Paul, the Spirit of the Lord is again saying that you can choose between life and death. Now, since the Word of God says that they are yours, then the believers has them, or at least we have a right to them. Then in Philippians chapter one, verses 21 through 24, and I, I am continuing to use the new King James version. The apostle Paul is sharing some of his personal feelings about the future with the church at Philippi. From what Paul is saying, it is evident that he had something to say about his life in this world. 
And he says this, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two. And if you heard a bump, I just hit the microphone. I apologize. For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And I definitely can relate to the Apostle Paul when he says, having a desire to depart and be with Christ. I experienced that before. And no, I am not suicidal. <laughs> never have been, never will be. But because of the evils that's going on in this world, when I had my stroke, that was an opportunity. I literally had a conversation with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And I had a desire just to be with him so that I could experience uh, the peace and freedom from the evils of this world. And I had that desire. So I understood what Paul was saying here. And uh, let me read that latter part again. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Now, what I really want you to zero in on are the words, what I shall choose. Paul is telling the church at Philippi that he has a choice to make. He is letting them know he has a say in what happens to him. Because if, if he did not have a say in what happens to him, how could he have any choice to make? Now, there would be no need for him to discuss it. But Paul is saying he is in control. Paul does not even say God shall choose for me or fate shall choose for me. No, whether he lived or died was up to him and he knew it. See, that's the, that's the key. The apostle Paul actually knew that he had a choice to make. So Paul continues in verses 23 through 24. He says this, for I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Yes, it is. Hallelujah. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh, which means in the body is more needful for you. Paul says, I am hard pressed. Not God is hard pressed. Now, I do not know about you, but in my mind, Paul is affirming that he has a say in whether he lives or physically dies. Now, when you are between the two, this means you have a choice to go with, with one or the other. Now, it would have been fallacious and useless for Paul to say he was hard pressed between the two if he did not have anything to do with whether or not he lived or died. Now, we can at least agree on that. Now, if Paul had a choice, then that means that you and I have a choice. And so does every other Christian. We all have a choice. And that's why I'm, I'm sharing these scriptures with you, because we need to know that we have a saying when we die and that we don't need to die before our time. And I should have mentioned this earlier, but I also talked about in episode one that one of the reasons, and it's several reasons why people die before their time, is sin. The Bible says in, in Romans that the wages of sin is death. And see, and that's just the truth. You, you, if you sin, 
you have to remember what the wages are for sinning and that's death. So that's one of the reasons that Christians and non-believers die before their time. But there are many reasons. And, and I will share that, share that throughout this episode and the final episode. But you have to remember if Paul could be hard pressed between these two, then so can you and I. So you see, we do have a choice to make between life or death like Paul did. Now you have a say in when you die. Now, whether or not you choose to believe it, that's on you. It's my job to share these scriptures with you. Now, right away, you might be thinking, um, I, this cannot be true because they killed Paul. Absolutely. They did kill Paul. If you know the story of how the apostle Paul and all the apostles died. Uh, the only one that really didn't get his head chopped off was John the Revelator, who was on the island of, uh, or the Isle of Patmos when he wrote uh, the book of Revelation who was guided by the uh, Holy Spirit, which was Christ Jesus, you know, but here's the thing. You need to understand that Paul had to make a decision whether or not he wanted to die or not, or remain with them. But remember, you can't make a decision to do this unless you had the power over it. And history does say that they chopped Paul's head off, that they took Paul into custody and killed him. Now, but actually the truth is they did not kill Paul. Yes, they did take Paul into custody. Yes, he was eventually executed. But if you think Paul was killed, you have missed what Paul was saying in the scriptures. Okay. Paul actually exercised his right to choose death. Now, let me point out some of the facts in the word of God in these scriptures so that you can understand why I am saying this. First of all, there is an account in the book of Acts of Paul having been warned not to go to Jerusalem because he would end up in bondage. And if you want to read about that, that's in Acts uh, 21 verses 10 through 14. But yet Paul still went to Jerusalem. In fact, Paul became rather indignant about going to Jerusalem, despite the warnings and the urging of other disciples and other apostles. Okay. Now Acts 21, 13 records Paul telling them this, I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. So Paul knew what the consequences of going to Jerusalem would be, but he went anyway. He made the choice to go. Paul didn't have to go. He didn't have to die at that time, but he chose to go. Also, I cannot find any record in the New Testament of Paul praying or, or soliciting the prayers of others for his freedom. Now, if it were Paul's desire to be a free man and live, then why didn't he ask the church to pray for him? Why didn't he call upon Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ for his freedom? After all, this had worked for uh, Peter and, and the other apostles. Uh-huh. When Peter was taken into custody by Herod, God sent an angel to let him out of prison. That's in Acts 12, 5 through 11. And when the religious leaders locked some apostles in the common prison for having healed the sick, an angel of the Lord came at night and opened the prison doors and brought them out. That's in Acts 5, 16 through 19. God supernaturally freed them, but Paul never got out. Why did the Lord come to the, to the rescue or why didn't the Lord uh, come to the rescue 
of uh, the apostle Paul like he did the other apostles. Hmm. Why? Well, I believe the Lord did his best or he did what he could without violating Paul's free will. See, you need to understand something. God is not going to make you do anything. He tells you what he wants you to do. And you know, like the Bible says, um, the uh, steps of a, a, a good man or a righteous man is ordered by the Lord. It's order, but that doesn't mean you're going to take up the order. He's not making you do it. You have to choose to do it. Now, when Paul was first taken into custody and, and several of his enemies had taken a vow not to eat or drink, if you know the story about the Apostle Paul, which is going to be an episode coming up before this year is out, um, they, they made a vow not to drink or eat anything until Paul had been murdered. And Paul's nephew overheard them. And when Paul's nephew um, came to tell him about it, Paul told him to go and share this with um, Pilate. So who do you think inspired the prison commander to order that Paul immediately be taken to a, a, a safe place? That's in Acts 23 uh, verses 12 through 35. It was God. It was God. But you have to remember, Paul took part in that. He, when his nephew came and told him what he overheard those people saying, Paul sent him to go and tell this to the commander and the commander was inspired by God to bring Paul to safety. See, when you ask God to uh, help you out, God is ready to help you out. But here's the thing. You don't purposefully put yourself in danger and then expect God to continue to rescue you because God always provides a way out. That's another reason why people or Christians and people die before their times. Because if God tells you not to go in a certain neighborhood because you see on the news every night that we five, six people being killed in this neighborhood every other night and you go and hang in that neighborhood to visit some family members. Well, you should not expect God to protect you. No, you had let the family member come visit you. Now, it, look, I'm just uh, sharing some simple information so that you can understand where the scriptures are coming from and where I am coming from. Okay. Now Acts 23, 12, 35, you, you read that and, and you will see that the commander was inspired to, to let Paul out of prison and bring him to safety. Now I do not believe that Paul had to stay imprisoned and be executed because the Lord had freed the other apostles from prison. The Bible says in Acts 10 43, that God shows no partiality and in the traditional King James, it says that God is not a respecter of persons. So I don't think it was God's desire that Paul be in prison, but the Lord had to let Paul's own free will dictate the terms of Paul's life. And y'all need to get that. God will allow your free will to dictate your life. Mm-hmm. If you want God included, you included in, in how you live and how long you live. And I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but you need to do what God says you need to do to protect yourself. Now, you will find in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, that Paul tells Timothy, his spiritual son, these words. Now, it took me a long time before I can read these scriptures without getting choked up because I felt the apostle Paul's pain. But Paul says this to Timothy, 
for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race or the race. The uh, new King James says I have kept the faith. Now the traditional King James version of the Bible says Paul wrote to Timothy for I am now ready to be poured uh, or to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I had to switch right quick. Um, to the uh, traditional King James, because I wanted you you guys to hear it. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. But once again, Paul says he is ready. Not God is ready or Satan is ready or even Jesus and the Holy Spirit are ready. No, Paul says, for I am now ready to be offered. And Paul never said, I am now ready for them to cut my head off. You won't read that anywhere. Or I am now ready for them to kill me. Yeah, but he, he does say, I am ready to be offered. So you see, Paul offered up his life. The Romans government did not take it. He offered it with his own free will. I believe this was Paul's way. And this is just my opinion right here. I believe this was Paul's way of giving, you know, the very last of his life in this world to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now, Paul was an old man when he died who had finished his course. He said he was ready. So Paul must have been satisfied with his life. He said he had finished his course. So Paul was not cut off in his prime. He was not cut off as a youngster, you know, or even in his 30s. Paul was in his 80s. He was not crying and screaming or, or begging to be released. No, Paul chose to die at that time and in that way. So if Paul was ready to die when he, when he, he, he checked out of this physical world, then I believe we also have the right to be ready to go when we are ready. Unfortunately, a lot of modern day apostles and missionaries have not grasped this concept. Many have gone to foreign missionary fields and, and let people kill them. But uh, I'm here to tell you, they had a choice just like Paul did. They did not have to give up their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and you need to understand that God certainly could have used their lives while they were alive, not while they are dead. And what I am saying is true because far too many Christians today have not finished their course. It would be one thing if they had already finished like Paul did at a ripe old age, but too many have died even while just getting started. Now, what glory did this bring to the Lord? Hmm. Or what glory does this bring to the Lord? Now, this is what they, they, they chose to do, not what God desired. All these people over there in these foreign countries, knowing perfectly well, if you even mention the name Jesus, you will get your head split in five different ways. But they going over there saying they want to die in the name of the Lord. Uh, uh. If God had sent them, I want you to pay careful attention to what I'm about to say. He surely would have warned them about impending danger, just as he did with Paul, Peter and the other apostles. Now, I do not believe that being a Christian 
even being called to the ministry means you have to give up your life for the Lord. And I'm talking about your physical life. When the Bible talks about um, you have to uh, let yourself die, they're not talking about physical. They're talking about your sinful nature and putting your needs first for the Lord. You need to put the gospel first. That's what the Bible is talking about. Okay. So Christians are supposed to be living for the Lord, not, not dying for the Lord. Jesus is the only savior this world ever needs. So I don't know what, what you are giving up your physical life for. You, you're not saving anybody by doing it. And, and Jesus died so that you and I might have a life and have it more abundantly. John 10, 10 should be written in your heart. Now I believe the best a uh, way we can honor our Lord's death is by truly living our lives to the fullest for him. Now, what um, better way is there to prove that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is real than by truly being a victorious, overcoming, living Christian. Hmm? Hallelujah. Now, we also have an inheritance. Okay. We have an inheritance. So I want you to go back to Genesis, Genesis chapter six, and I will be reading verse three. And this is the Lord God talking. While you search for Genesis uh, chapter six, verse three, I will tell you, we are getting ready to talk about the amount of years that God set for the flesh to live. Okay. And it's going to be a couple of them, but that's why I want to share some scriptures with you and rightly divide these scriptures and then give you an estimate, a minimum amount of years we should be living in and, and possibly the max. Okay. So while you search, you can pause the tape because you have the ability to do so. And I will be reading. So when you come back, we'll be on the same page. Okay. Saints, my spirit shall not strive with man forever for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. So God says man should live to be 120 years. Now I take this to mean that 120 years is the minimum. And, and I'm going to explain that. I take it to mean uh, the minimum at this time, not the maximum number of years that the Lord intended for man to live after sin had entered the world. Why? Because Noah did not come on the scene until after the Lord had said this. And he is recorded in Genesis 9, 29 as having lived 350 years after the flood. Then according to Genesis 25, 7, Abraham lived to be 175 years old. While Isaac lived to be 180 years old. That's in Genesis 35, 28. So, of course, you have to remember that this was not long after Adam's sin of transgression, relatively speaking. Now, Satan had only just taken over as the God of this world, the God of of this age and the God of this world and death and decay had only recently been introduced into this physical earth realm. What God had built into the spirit, soul, and body of man was so strong and so powerful that it took time for death and decay to get to the point where it is now. So way back then, a man named Methuselah, y'all know who Methuselah is. Uh, he outdistanced death by 969 years. But in reading the scriptures, you can see that as time went on, sin gained a greater foothold. 
And remember, the wages of sin is death and has always been and will always be until the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Abraham lived to be 175 years, Genesis, Genesis 25, 7. Jacob, his grandson, lived 147 years, Genesis 47, 28. And Joseph, Jacob's son, lived 110 years. That's in Genesis 50, 22. So I want you to notice the digression, 175 147, 110. Now, by the time Moses came along, death and decay had made considerably more progress because Moses is quoted in Psalms 90 verse 10 as saying this, the days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength, they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow for it is soon cut off and we fly away. My goodness. Now, 70 to 80 years certainly is a far cry from 175 that Abraham lived. It is even far from 120 years, but Moses and the children of Israel did not have the promise of God that Christians have been given in the New Testament. See, the promises and the differences in dispensation makes the difference. Okay. The Bible says in chapter 28 of Deuteronomy that they were subject to the curse of the law, which shortened their expected lifespan. Now, Christians, on the other hand, are not bound by the curse. And that's written in Galatians 3.13. See, we are under a new and better covenant with God. This is why I would say that uh, uh, 80 years ought to be the minimum we shoot for, not the maximum. After all, God certainly knew what the world would be like when we arrived. Yet he still said in the beginning that the number of man's days were to be 120 years. Now, even if we only make it to 80, it is better than dying at 35, 25, 15, 10 months. Okay, don't you don't you think so? Or even younger, we have babies that are stillborn. So I say we should shoot for 80. Now, in the worst case scenario, you will just get old and die. Now you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Besides, despite what Moses wrote, he did not die. He didn't start his uh, ministry until he was 80 years old. Now, therefore, 80 years of age could not be the maximum number of years we can rightfully uh, expect of God. But at least this much is promised to us. Now, if we speak up and, and confess God's word in our lives and and then accept nothing less. In fact, I see in the scriptures that to a certain extent, it is up to me as to how long I live. Uh-huh. Now, in verses 14 uh, through 16 of Psalm 91, the Lord promises this to his people. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, these scriptures really, you know, give me a clear understanding because God does not just say, I will give him long life. 
he says, with long life, I will satisfy him. Now we can take this to mean that we ought to live on, on, you know, until we are satisfied because we get, you know, at least until we get ready to go, we should be satisfied and, and we should choose to go. And, and I think that we all should be shouting for joy right here because there is a prerequisite to qualifying for this long, satisfying life. And see, this is what people don't, don't like prerequisites. They just want something for nothing. And after all Christ did die for us on the cross, none of us could have done that for the sins of the world. But the prerequisite, I want you to, um, key in on the beginning of this Psalm. It says he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. Mm. Let me say that again. It says he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. Now the word dwell, it literally means to live in, to settle down in and to take up residence in. It does not mean, you know, on a Sunday visit or on Easter Sunday, you're going to go to church and, and mingle with people, say hi, exchange uh, recipes and talk about each other's outfits and, and new wigs and hairdos. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Now, God's word says you have to dwell, meaning live in, settle down in and take up residence in the secret place of the most high. Now, in New Testament uh, meaning, that's in Jesus. The secret place of the most high. God's secret is, uh, or the mystery of God's word, is that Christ in us, the hope of glory. So this means that you have to live by the word of God. Uh-huh. It is when you are under the shadow of the almighty that you have his protection from the, the devastating effects of sin. And, and the net result would be just what the Psalm says, a long and satisfying life. Nevertheless, I believe it is what we consider as long that governs our length of days. And I do see, you know, see that there is a range of years that we have a right to believe God to fulfill. Yes, that's in scripture. Now, so I would say based on scripture, that range is between 70 and 120 years. That's the range we should be living. Uh, look, I, I don't want nobody feelings to be hurt. If, you, if you've lost loved ones that died before that time, I don't want to jump ahead of myself. But I have some encouraging words coming up. Now, personally, I'm believing God for 80. Yeah, for 80. I, I don't I, I refuse to try to comprehend and and believe what this the shape this world would be in by the time I'm 80. I know I want to just be going and be with the Lord, but I am believing God for 80. But the minimum, according to scripture, is between 70 and 120 years. And I fully intend to enjoy each and every single day that I am on this earth by sharing the gospel. You know, that is what uh, makes me happy. Teaching the word of God, telling people about the good news, no matter what you have done, Christ died for you. All you have to do is, is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and believe that God raised him from the dead. You got to confess that he is Lord. 
That's all you have to do. So, um, I'm not also talking about, you know, just living to be 80. Mm -mm, uh -uh. I don't want to be blind. I don't want to be crippled. I do not want to be walking with the aid of a cane. That is not a satisfying life. And it shouldn't be a satisfying life for you. People who are wheelchair bound, can't talk, can't move and have to have people do things for them. I don't want to sound insensitive, but there's no need to keep living. There is no need to keep living. If you uh, are not believing God for healing and you don't have the people around you to pray for healing for you, I don't understand why, why people want to remain here. What well, you just want to be here in that state. That's not a satisfying life. And I'm not being insensitive because I love people, but I also know God's word. Mm -hmm. I know God's word. Now, my philosophy has always been to go for the very best that God has to offer, both in terms of number of years and quality of life. Now, if I'm wrong, what difference does it make? I am still going to get old and die anyway. So this is uh, for sure, especially if I am doing nothing. Okay. If I am doing nothing, we still have an appointed time with death. So if someone you knows, and, and I'm getting ready to encourage uh, a lot of you, if, if someone you know have died uh, before they reach the age 70, such as my mother, and I know my mother is in heaven. Uh, my mother died at the tender age of 56. Yes, she did. She had a massive stroke. Um, so don't spread the lie that God took him. I didn't spread that lie that God, it was God's will for my mother to die. Uh-uh. That's not God's will. I've already proven in scripture that God is the giver of life. He is not the taker of life. He is the giver of life. And I personally know that my mother was ready to go. My mother had given up on life after she and my father divorced. And my mother and father were married and had four children, three girls, including me and my brother, who is the oldest. And my father was the only man that my mother ever knew. Yeah, ever knew. And she was devastated when he had an affair and impregnated a woman outside of their marriage and at least my mother had the strength to leave him. She knew she didn't have to stay with him under those conditions. But my mother spiraled into a deep state of depression. Yes, she did. She had given up on life. So she stopped taking care of herself. She stayed inside. Um, she, she stopped doing, you know, regular everyday activities. My mother, I, I, you know what? I don't want to make this about her because it, it's making me sad. But, um... My mother uh, died from a broken heart. She just had given up on life. So when you are ready to go, trust me, you, you can get out of here. You can check out if you are ready. You don't have to pick up no gun and blow your brains out. You can wheel yourself out of here. And if you are around negative people who are speaking death or life over you, um, you will be either, either you will be healed or you will check out of here quicker than you, you expected to. Because people can speak death on you, especially when it comes to healing. Well, Lord, if it's your will for now, this person 30, Lord, if it's your will for this person to be healed, God is not hearing that prayer. God, it is the prayer of faith. The Bible is clear. It is the prayer of faith that heals the sick, not the prayer of doubt, not the prayer of if it be your will, because Jesus already said it was his will to heal when this leper caught him. 
and asked him, Lord, if it's your will, will you heal me? And Jesus said, it is my will. So right there, we don't need to go any further. It's his will. So now we don't even need to say that it is the prayer of faith. The Lord Jesus Christ, brother James says that it is the prayer of faith that heals the sick. So we have to remember that God does not kill people, but he has to let them go if they let themselves go. Because he has given every person a free will. And that's what you need to understand. Now, Romans eleven twenty nine guarantees that the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Now, uh, irrevocable means without change. If God gives you something, he's not taking it back from you. So if God is the giver of life, he's definitely not the taker of life. We've already confirmed in Hebrews 2.14 that it is the devil who takes life. In other words, God does not give something and then take it back. So if you are willing to die before you hit 70, then God will let you go. Mm -hmm. He will let you go. But if you die early, it does not mean that you do not love the Lord or that you will not go to, to be with the Lord. It doesn't mean you are not saved because once saved, always saved. The question is, are you saved? Now you can cut your life short. And, and in episode three, we will talk about how Christians are cutting their lives short scripture by scripture. Now, it just means that you will miss out on years you should have had. Yeah, years you should have had here you know, um, satisfying years, you know, uh, uh, years filled with the promises of God, you know, working together with, with Christ to impact eternity. So make no mistake about it. Saints, the Lord wants you to receive your full inheritance of what he has promised you in his word. But just like any other last will and Testament, you have to do what it takes to claim this inheritance. You cannot benefit from what Jesus has done for you until you first accept and confess Jesus Christ as your personal savior and Lord, and then do what his word says for you to do. And then, and only then will Satan no longer have the ability to Lord death over you. Okay. And saints, we are going to end uh, episode two right here. And in episode three, we will talk about our appointed time with death. And I will give you scripture by scripture as to um, what Christians are doing today. Some common things they are doing today and the reason they are dying early mm -hmm, before their time. And I will take this opportunity to uh, invite those who are listening right now who don't know the risen Christ to accept him right now because the, today is the acceptable time. Tomorrow is not promised to you. Today is the day of salvation. We don't know if, if this world is going to end with as soon as I say peace out. We don't know that. So now is the acceptable time. All you have to do is go to Romans 10, 9 and 10 and repeat after me that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So your prayer should be, because I, I use Romans 10, 9, and 10 as a guidance, because you don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to, you know, do no backflips. You don't have to perform rituals or follow the 10 commandments to be saved, because we are saved by grace through faith, period, period. John three sixteen says what? That God so loved the world that he gave 
He gave his only begotten son, not he received from us. He gave, which is a free gift, his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. So your prayer today, saints, should be, Father God, you say in your word that if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, I am confessing with my mouth that I know he is Lord. I accept that he is Lord and that I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead, which means I know he is alive and well. He is seated at your right hand. I will be saved. So I said that, Lord, with all sincerity. Amen. Believe it or not, saints, you are saved. That is what ushers you into the family and the household of faith. Hallelujah. Join a faith-based teaching church. Continue to listen to learning Bible truth ministries because we will tell you nothing but truth that will help you grow in faith. Yes, we will. And learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Now, saints, I want to say this. Anybody you encounter, remember they are human. Everyone has a, a, a backstory. They have a life story as to who they are today and what led them to uh, cross your path. Treat them with compassion, dignity, and respect. And when that door opens, share Christ with them, not condemnation. We have the ministry of reconciliation. Tell them how they can be reconciled to God. Because I'm here to tell you, Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Speak life over your life. Speak life over your family's life. Speak healing over your life. Speak healing over your family's life. Don't speak death. Don't do it because you can speak death over your life and be dead tomorrow. So why don't you speak life? Okay. So until next time, saints, peace out. hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this message, you can contact us by emailing talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. If you would like to sow a seed in this growing ministry, you may access the front page on the podcast you are listening to and click on the support button. Or you can cash out the ministry at dollar sign Dr. Kamala D. That is at dollar sign, capital D, lowercase r, capital C, lowercase a-m-a-l-e, capital D, and donate any amount. And remember, God loves a cheerful giver, and so do we. So until next time, believers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, not the word of man. We walk by faith and not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D, serving you with Christ Jesus, our Lord, in peace and love. I thank each of you for tuning in, and I hope to hear from you soon. Peace out. Say,